an investor doing things on your own? How about someone working with a firm that isn't so responsive or in sync with your investment philosophy? My podcast talks you through all things financial. Look, there's stuff you don't deal with very often, but investments, insurance, and retirement is something we plan for each and every day. This is the Pennywise Financial Podcast, and welcome to the show. Financial Podcast. This is Constantine here at Monarch Wealth Management with my co-host Sam Gwelly. Today is Tuesday, August 23rd, and we are doing a remote podcast here from Florida, bringing it back home to Rochester. Welcome to the show, everyone. Uh, Sam, why don't we start off with the market trends and things that are happening right now? Yeah, so uh, a little bit more concerning numbers than we're used to, at least over the past few days. Uh, everything's down a little bit. We'll start with the Dow Jones. Uh, over the past week, we're down about 4%. Uh, the one-month numbers are still positive, about 4%, and the year-to-date numbers, of course, are still down uh, about 7%. Uh, the S&P, same, uh, same trend, down about 4% over the past five days. Um, over the mo- uh, past month, we're still looking at about a 5% gain, and then year-to-date, we're still down about 12.5%. Um, moving on to the NASDAQ composite, uh, it's more of the same stuff over the past week, down about 5%. Uh, the past month numbers are still looking good, plus 7. Uh, that's dropping, of course, and year-to-date, we're still down about 20% on the NASDAQ. Uh, and then the Russell 2, I'm going to sound like a broken record player here, down about 5% over the past five days. Past month, we're up about 6.5%, and year-to-date numbers are still down about 15 so a little bit of a dip over the past week for all the major indices here, but uh, who knows? It, yeah, it sounds that way. I mean, I know we started off the, the year okay, and then things got pretty bad really quick, and uh, it left people scratching their heads, wondering what's gonna happen throughout the rest of the year. We saw a little bounce here in the past 30 days, and then uh, last few trading sessions have not been the best. Um, I think it, it, it definitely causes some confusion, some wonder, um, you know, did, did we see the market recover and, and it's going to kind of lose momentum, which it seems to be doing right now. Um, are we going to be able to recover all the ground that we've lost so far year to date? I, I don't know. You don't know. Nobody knows for sure. We certainly can't tell the, uh, the future. But um, I think people need to stay the course, need to stay invested. It doesn't mean do nothing. It doesn't mean uh, do not check your inventory. We always say that and making minor tweaks. I think that's important. Uh, you want to move to where the puck is going to go if we want to use a hockey reference. Um, so let's take a look at some of the other sectors in the market. Uh, first, we can look at the XLRE. That's the Real Estate Select Spider ETF. Here today, it's down about 16, uh, excuse me, it's down about 8%. Um, in the last month, it's up almost 2%, and in the last week or so, it's down about 4.5%. So losing a bit of momentum there, um, pretty much the same as the major indexes. Let's look at the XLF, that's the financial sector year-to-date. It's down about 5%. Um, so obviously, things are... Um, trending a little bit uh, downward. Again, if we look at the last month or so, it's up 3.5%, which is great. Um, In the last five trading days, down just shy of 4%. So 
Same trend. Uh, one I think to look at is going to be the XLE. That's the Energy Select Spider ETF. Year to date, it's up 44%, uh, which is really nice. Last month or so, up about 11.75. So last 30 days looks good. How about the last week? Believe it or not, this is up 7.8%. So again, a place I, I see uh, going up for some time. Energy is not getting cheaper. It's going to get more expensive. We continue to find ways to reinvent um, energy sources in ways that we're using energy, uh, whether it be cleaner, uh, more EV friendly, more environmentally friendly. That's going to drive cost up, um, certainly before we see any uh, real efficiencies in some of the vehicles and getting more hours and, and miles out of use. Then let's look at the cryptocurrencies. How have those things been faring? We know year to date they have not been doing well. So let's first look at the GBTC. That's the Grayscale Bitcoin Trust. Year to date, it's down 61%. Last month, it's down 3 And then last week, it's down almost 10%. So not a very good story there for the... Bitcoin trust. Ethereum, uh, pretty much the same story, down almost 62% year to date. Last month is up 15, and last week or so is down almost 14%. Litecoin, uh, that's the LTCN, year to date is down 63%. Last month is up 18.5%, and then the last week is down almost 11%. So all the coins pretty much seem. Uh, somewhat range bound. I mean, year to date, they're all pushing 60 plus percent losses. That's no joke. I mean, imagine being down 61% in your investment. Yeah, you know, these, these cryptocurrencies continue to baffle me, I guess. I really can't, you know, predict trends at all for them at least. Um, and it's really, I don't know, confusing to me, I guess, just to see the, uh, you know, the amount of losses they have and then They'll have a week where they're up 20% and then the next week they're back down. It's it's wild to me. It seems to be kind of a momentum trade. Like everybody either loves them or hates them. And right now, um, it seems to be the latter of the two. The people are not finding confidence in the coins and just kind of wondering what will happen, what the future looks like. I mean, definitely more regulation coming, uh, which I think could be kind of a good thing. That tells me there's some legitimacy. They think that it's gonna be around for some time. It's not just the Fed, um, but time will tell. And you gotta have people investing with confidence, right? That's, that's the only way those coins go up. Um, there's no earnings. It's not like there's a stock split. There's no new invention, quote unquote, that these coins will bring to the table. Uh, maybe a new use, a more practical use day to day. Um, but I think it's going to be more the technology and, and how they're using um, the versus how they're using the coins themselves, right? So it's the blockchain that the banks are liking and trying to adopt um, versus the coins. How about uh, gold itself? Let's look at the GLD. That's the Spider Gold Trust year to date. I mean, it's been pretty quiet. Uh, again, down 3.2% last month or so. It is up about a percent and a half in the last five trading days, down about 1.3. So no real movement um, either direction. Uh, we're not seeing a lot of uh, legs on this thing going forward. Um, traditionally has been a place to, to find, I guess, uh, a hedge against inflation. Um, to me, this is, this is one of these trades that you, you kind of get in and get out of. 
uh, when you think fear might be around the corner where you might have some trouble in the market, you look for, for some other type of asset classes like these. Um, you know, we get in and out for our clients. It's not a position that we always hold. Um, you know, rising inflation, you might think to go here. Uh, we talked about this in the past. Go back 50 years, um, a bullion, you know, depending on if it's, uh, a, you know, let's say it's an ounce of gold versus what it buys you in comparison. Basically, uh, when you see about $1,000 worth of gold, it buys you a suit today, bought you a suit back in 1950. Um, is it really a good hedge? I would say probably not. Um, to get in and out, yeah, okay, I can see it making sense there, but it's more of a trade, you know, it's, and it's, it's really hard to, to kind of gauge. Uh, I certainly would want to buy things when things seem to be or appear to be pretty good, right? So that there's some uh, looming issues that might come about on the horizon. You don't want, the, the least favorable time to buy anything is when it's super expensive. Right, so during chaos, during war, during uh, a lot of uncertainty, that's it's not really the time that you want to be buying things. Makes sense. Yeah, for sure. So I, so I, I think, um, I think, you know, as we head into the fourth quarter, people are going to have their eyes and ears glued to to earnings, and uh, so far they seem to be pretty good. I know inflation has been a big, big deal. Uh, you look at the jobs reports kind of a big deal, right, to kind of gauge where things are going. Um, this talk about us finding a recession next year is possible, right? This quote-unquote soft landing that the Fed is hoping to endure, um, you know, by raising rates slowly, is it going to happen? I don't know. Is it possible? I don't know. Nobody knows for sure. Um, but I do think a looming recession of some sort may be on the horizon. It's tough to say, though. I mean, you talk to business owners, we work with a lot of business owners, and they're all looking for people. They're all looking to fill jobs. There's tons of jobs out there. Unemployment is low. So I think, to me, there's a little disparity between those numbers and, and how they uh, interact with each other. That makes sense. Yeah, sure. Well, I think that's a good starting point for the market update. Let's take a quick break, and we'll be right back with the show. Do you want help building and managing an investment portfolio that's right for you? One that will help you maximize growth potential while you're saving, help you generate income when you need it most, and eventually preserve what you've saved to leave to your beneficiaries? We do this day in and day out and take the stress and responsibility of making those decisions off your plate. Subscribe to our newsletter, read our blog post, and listen to our podcast to get a flavor of how we do things. Our firm is unique and capable of handling all your investment and insurance needs. Monarch Wealth Management, our guidance, your future. Welcome back to the Pennywise Financial Podcast here at Monarch Wealth Management. My name is Sam Gwellian. I'm in the Brighton office today, but joining us from sunny Orlando, Florida, is Constantine Kitchenos. And Kanza, uh, something that, you know, came to me was uh, our discussion about business owners. Uh, and, you know, we were talking about things that they have to do to get ready for the end of the year. Of course, they're going to be talking to their uh, accountants, their lawyers, stuff like that. Uh, from your point of view as an advisor, what are some of the things that you can do really to help them with their specific challenges uh, and their problems and things like that? Yeah, so I, I think working with business owners is uh, kind of its own animal, its own beast. And when I say that, I, I'm speaking from experience. I can tell you that business owners are a little bit different than a retail investor, uh, individual who's working for a company who has a 
uh, W-2 paycheck who has some deductions, some health care, maybe a 401k retirement plan. Business owners have to create all that for themselves as well as for any employees. Wow, there's some, there's some background. I don't know if we got a seagull over here that's interested in the podcast. I don't know. But anyhow, um, yeah, so, so business owners have some of their own challenges, uh, not only for themselves, um, but for the business and for their employees. And um, it kind of runs the gamut of, of everything from paying them enough, giving them a good work environment, uh, giving them enough health benefits or health choices, um, as well as retirement package, if there's any life insurance, there's, there's all kinds of things. Um, and that's just one element, one aspect of their business, right? Because they run the day-to-day, right? They're there, uh, they have probably managers, they may have CEOs, they may have CFOs. Um, so the business owner is kind of a, a unique person because they wear a lot of different hats. And hopefully they surround themselves with some experts in different fields because the most precious commodity that uh, not only a business owner has, but we have as, as individuals is time, right? There's nothing replacing that. I think the biggest question I get from, from Jay every day and, and even from you some, from time to time is, hey, Kants, hey, Dave, hey, hey, Mark, hey, Diana, is there anything that I can do to help you right now? And my response is typically the same. You know what that response is? Uh, I get from you a lot. You're just busy with trades. Busy with trades. But, but typically it's if you can give me more time, that would, that would help. Other than that, yep. there's really there's really not of other a lot of other things that you can do because you have your own segment of you know responsibilities things like that. But when we work with business owners, um, I can tell you that I just I just had a recent meeting with a prospect, and so they own a business, right? Uh, a, a fairly successful business, I'd say. Uh, they have a number of employees. They offer some benefits, and um, you know they have a pretty good package where they keep and retain a lot of good talent, and they have done that for a number of years. Um, but this individual was thinking about it from a different lens, and he was, he was kind of wondering, like, okay, how, how can how can Monarch Wealth Management help me as a business owner? How how can how can they help me differentiate what I'm doing? And I'll tell you why. So he owns a business. She owns a business whoever this prospect is, and they make money and they plow a lot of that money back into the business. Why do you think they do that? Are you talking from uh, like a retirement plan point of view? It could be, that's, that, so that's, that's one element of it is they plow the money back in to grow the business, right? Sure. Another reason they, they plow the money back in the business, who's in control? Well, they are. They are. Right, every aspect of it. Uh, if they make a mistake, if they spend too much, if they spend too little, if they don't retain employees, if they don't do all those things, they're the ones that are gonna be to blame. They're the ones at fault. And this particular meeting, this individual says to me, well, they plow all that money back into the business. They control every element, every aspect of it. So the question is, well, if I invest in the stock market, how do I know what Sam Gwelly, the CEO of this biotech firm, is going to do with the company, with my cash, with my investments, with the money that they're, they're generating, with all their revenue? Right? What if Sam messes up? What if Sam overspends? What if Sam buys another company and overpays for it? I suffer along with that, right? So as an investor, you're putting faith in uh, not only the company, 
the, uh, the future revenues, but also the person, the people that are in power and control of that company, the CEOs, the CFOs, the marketers, the recruiters, all those people, all those different aspects. And as a business owner, you have so much control over every different piece of that business. So they know what's going on. They know if they're profitable. They know if it's a struggling business, they're not gonna plow a lot of cash back into it unless they see promise, right? So it's kind of a, it's kind of a big problem to, over, to overcome. Yeah, so they, they're very comfortable uh, pouring a lot of their own money into it because, you know, they, like you said, they control everything. And, you know, they know, kind of to your point, they know exactly what's being done with the money that gets put into it. So. Correct. And, and so there's a, there's a lot of things that are not tangible. There's, there's not a lot of data or metrics that I can show them. Business owners know a lot more about their business than I do. I mean, even if I'm looking at some charts and things like that, we can go through some analytics and get in forecast and all that, but I don't know what's gonna happen to their segment of business in five or 10 or 15 or 20 years when they do retire. It could explode, right? It could massively explode mm -hmm. or it could crumble, it could go to zero. And that could be just uh, you know, uh, an effect, cause and effect of maybe their industry getting changed. Uh, the Amazon effect, right, if you will where some of these products and services are going out of business because Amazon is able to come in and undercut them, make it easier for people to buy and access their products, and they just put them out of business. Uh, I don't want to be in the space where you're, um, you're competing with other people by reducing your profits, reducing your margins, and you try to sell on volume. That's like the Walmart, that's like the Target, that's like the Amazon business. I, don't, I personally don't want to be in that space, but when it comes to business owners, and uh, finding ways to reinvest themselves. Well, number one is, what type of retirement program are you offering to your employees, but also you as the business owner, right? So there's some profit sharing, there's some life insurance, and then how about a succession plan? Like Sam Gwelly's biotech company, who's taking over? Is it, is it your son, is it your daughter, is it a relative, is it a cousin, is it an employee? Having a succession plan is extremely important. So that's part of our retirement plans, right? So that's. You know, it's, we try to look at every aspect of it. What we're trying to help, we try to focus on the uh, employees, participants, the business, growing the business. Or is this like, you know, having an exit strategy for, for a lot of these folks? And some business owners don't yeah. think their companies are worth anything. You know, kind of sounds shocking, right? Imagine you start a company right now and you say, this will be successful. So what do you do when you retire? You save some money, you got retirement maybe. But besides that, are you going to sell your business? Some business owners don't even give it any thought. They don't even consider their business an asset. So uh, why wouldn't they, though? A lot of people don't. You know, so I have some dentists, uh, orthodontists. I can tell you I've worked with other financial advisors. I've worked with uh, even psychiatrists, psychologists. And they don't view their, their business having any value. You know, they think they just kind of, so I asked them, what do, you, what do you mean it doesn't have any value? Well, when I retire and I sail off into the sunset, who's going to buy my practice? So they don't have enough confidence that their business is worth something. I can tell you it's always worth so, something. Yeah, they don't even try to sell it though. They just... Nope. And you know, I, to me, I, I look at that as a failure, depending on how your business is structured. But let's say you have, you have a clientele that depends on you year in, uh, year in and year out and uh, you decide that you're going to retire in six months, you send out a notice, goodbye everyone, you're kind of, you're basically telling these people, your clients that you've worked with for so long, like you're on your own. 
I don't care about you. I don't care what you're going to do. I'm retiring. Imagine your doctor does this. Your dentist does this. They don't have a succession plan. Sorry, Sam. Uh, you know, go out and get a new dentist. Then you get another letter from your doctor. Go on and get a new doctor. I have no succession plan. I haven't given you any thought. You were my client for 30 years. Thank you for paying me. I'm done. I'm out. I'm retiring. And I've got enough money. But it's, it's beyond that. It's, it's creating a, a succession for uh, the next generation, uh, which could be somebody in your family. But more than likely, it's not. A lot of cases, it's uh, maybe a, a colleague, a coworker, could be an understudy, could be somebody that's been kind of groomed along the way to eventually take over. Um, and I think that's important. But I'll give you a story. Um, so I had a couple of farmers that I've dealt with over the years. Farmers are really unique. Um, and so I had two farmers, both had a very similar succession plan. And they were going to sell their farm to a local farmer, right? So they could expand and grow their business one day. They were both dairy farmers. They both plowed back in a ton of cash into their business because they controlled every aspect of it. Two very different outcomes. One sold their business for about 2.5, one struggled to sell it for a million. So that right there is about you know $1.5 million difference. They had similar revenues. Uh, obviously one was run more efficiently. One, although they had the same or similar revenue stream, one was more profitable. They kept more of that revenue that came in. And so it's all about efficiency and sometimes you gotta have a little bit of luck. They could be doing the exact same thing, pretty similar territory. Uh, it may be a relationship thing, it may be a marketing thing, it may be some uniqueness to that business but that's where you differentiate you know and, and having all of your eggs in one basket i hate to use that that phrase no pun intended i guess maybe i do uh but for farmers having all their eggs in one basket plowing all that cash back into the business may not be as profitable as they may think it may not be as fruitful as they think down the road so working with an advisor to come up with a plan of attack so that we can create different streams of revenue down in retirement, whether it be social security, creating a self-funded pension, having some retirement assets, some uh, business assets, and then a, a strategy on how they're going to get there. Yeah. And of course it's, uh, it's tailored to everybody's individual needs. That's right. That's something I think people don't understand too much all the time that you, you are here for their personal goals and you know, something that you do for somebody is going to be totally different than know your next client but the goals might be similar and you know it's more of an art we say this all the time it's more of an art than a science if it was a science everybody would sign up for an online subscription pay 10 bucks a month or whatever it is and you would have the best plan you'd make the most money in investments you would have the best income streams in retirement but it doesn't work that way it's you know everybody is different unique every scenario is unique uh, like I said, two farmers doing the same thing, dairy farm, completely different outcomes, um, completely different ways that we tried to construct and develop off of what they had already been doing to change things, to improve it, to make it more efficient so that they could retire the way they wanted to with integrity, with, with a uh, substantial amount of income that they needed to live in retirement comfortably. And comfortably is different for every person. Comfortable for you and me might be traveling once or twice a year. Comfortable for somebody else might be uh, a week-long vacation every month. Uh, for somebody else, it may be just that they spend more time with their grandkids. 
And those are the things to hone in on. What's important to that client? What, what do they want to achieve? What do they want to do ultimately? And trying to work on a plan to get them there. That's what it's all about. Right. And obviously you being a business owner yourself, you can relate to these people and give them some really good, you know, information. Absolutely. Yeah. I mean, that's a great point. So we're, we're a small business. We, you know, started the firm back in 2014 and along the way, our business has grown and evolved and now we have four practicing advisors. We have two additional staff. We have access to uh, CPAs and accountants and lawyers and, um, you know, CFPs and CFAs and everyone with all kinds of credentials. And everybody wants to give you and offer you advice. And, and I think it's important to utilize those tools and find the people that are most useful or conducive to your business and what you're trying to do and plan. And um, I think, you know, the team approach is the best. Everything that I do impacts other parts of a person's financial picture, uh, whether it be from an estate planning perspective to protecting assets down the road, Medicaid planning, uh, could be a tax perspective. Uh, what about estate tax? If, if you grow a business and you have assets that are um, growing to a certain point where you have some tax implications. So it's all those pieces that fit into the puzzle. Working with a business owner, they have very unique and specialized needs, and we try to address that in every one of our meetings. So I, I hope that I convey that um, for the business owner, not only from the front of running a successful business that's profitable, uh, retaining and attracting top talent, building a successful retirement plan for themselves, but aside from that is what do they want to achieve in retirement and how can we get them there? With that, let's take a quick break and we'll be right back with the show. Do you have a high deductible insurance plan? If so, have you set up your HSA? There's a ton of people who don't know what it is or how it works. Even worse, there aren't many people who can give you advice about how to make the most of these powerful and unique programs. Not many advisors focus on this in their practice, don't understand the mechanics of how they work or even where to begin helping their clients. Reach out to me, Constantine at Monarch Wealth Management, and I'll guide you through this process and get you on track to make the most of your high deductible plan and your superhuman HSA. Welcome back to the Pennywise Financial Podcast. This is Constantine here at Monarch Wealth Management with my co-host Sam Gwelly. Welcome back to the show everyone. Today is Wednesday the 23rd. Wednesday. Whoa, I'm rushing it. Today's Tuesday the 23rd and I'm reporting from sunny Orlando, Florida and Sam is in uh, Brighton. So let's jump into some um, research that LPL has provided us um, so that our folks, our listeners can have a better understanding on where LPL research plays in and kind of what the firm sees as well. Yeah, so uh, something that I, I kind of was drawn to from the LPL research report is uh, talking about housing and um, it's talking about where's the housing market going to go from here. Uh, so what do you think about that, Kant? Yeah, I mean, this report shows existing home sales fell about 6% in July. This is the sixth, sixth consecutive month of declines. Um, obviously, they're relating that to higher rates. And so what happens is rates go higher, uh, housing prices kind of drop a little bit. But even with that price drop, the people that are buying homes are going to pay the same, if not more, for that exact same house than they did six months yeah. ago. Um, 
I mean, I think there's always going to be a demand, a need for housing. I mean, that's a place where we feel comfortable. It's a place where we were kind of locked in our houses for, for two years. It's the place that we felt um, the most comfortable. We got used to working there, playing there, living there, you name it. Um, I bet some families with like five or six kids went a little stir crazy at times. Um, but I, I do think that, you know, real estate long term is always going to be a, a very good place. Um, there's going to be some pockets, I think, of opportunity. Um, I'm curious to see what happens with these home builders. Um, you know, there's not a ton of housing available. The prices that are on those homes are starting to fall a little bit. Um, I don't know if we're at the bottom yet, but they're going to need new homes to be built. Yeah, right. And, uh, and then that. Sorry, but uh, you mentioned home builders, and uh, personally, I I used to work with a home builder, and I still know him pretty well. Uh, and they were saying for the past year or so, it's impossible to get you know the right supplies they need, the right materials, and houses are the prices are just being marked up dramatically. I believe so, it. I don't know if it's any better now, but it was brutal, I guess. It's a combination of things, right? So it's having the right materials. It's having the, the workers to actually do the job. Um, I don't know where all these workers have gone. I mean, they, they report unemployment being really low, but you talk to business owners and they're hiring like like crazy. They can't find people. And it's not about pay because they're jacking, you know, the, the amount of uh, money they're shelling out or willing to shell out for these employees, but they just can't get them to come back to work. Um, so I don't know. I guess I guess time will tell on that, but I still think... Housing uh, will have strong demand, even though we're starting to see a little bit of home sales fall. Those are existing home sales. There's going to be a point at which interest rates are going to get to a certain level. They're, they're going to get so high that the only thing that can happen as far as uh, affordability for people to actually buy the homes is for those prices to come down. Right? You could, you could think your house is worth half a million, right? It's worth half a million as long as someone is willing to buy it for that amount. And it may be worth it, again... Uh, someday, but unless people can afford to pay those monthly payments, nobody's going to buy that house. Yeah. So that's uh, that's housing. What's next on LPL's list? Uh, yeah. So we're just talking about the markets again, and uh, it's of course it's going back to inflation. So there's there's ongoing global inflation concerns, uh, and it's causing. Well, that's that's what they think is part of the reason why the markets are lowering again. Yeah, I mean, the, so the Fed didn't meet in August. Uh, we thought there may be a possibility of an emergency meeting in August, which may or not have, may or may not have been a good thing. Because if you think about it, the reason they would be raising interest rates is to curtail spending. People are still spending. That means they have jobs. That mm -hmm. means they have income. And uh, unemployment being so low and high demand for, for new workers to come back on board, to me, says that the chance of a recession is lower than we might see in in history. So if you look at other trends, there's a number of different factors that play into signals of a recession. One of them being inverted yield curve, which we've talked about in the past, meaning you, you make more money on a shorter term investment than a longer term investment, which makes no sense. Um, so yeah, I mean, inflation is gonna be one of the key elements. We're gonna be watching what the Fed chair has to say looking at consumer spending and what they're doing with their money. And I guess September's meeting, I would guess, is probably going to be in the 50 to 75 wow. basis point uh, interest rate rise I mean, again. 
We're talking about uh, natural gas prices too here to segue a little bit into what's going on over in Europe. But this is just kind of ties into the global inflation concerns. Uh, they're saying there's there's no diplomatic solution uh, insight to the conflict going on in Ukraine. And now they're concerned gas prices are going to just surge out of control. I think it's inevitable. Yeah, I think I think I think Russia was playing this game. They're playing a long game. Uh, and they, they've had this in their mind, I think, from the beginning. And winter's going to be upon us soon enough. Uh, we said it maybe a month or two ago. We're at the end of August. We're approaching September. Things are going to get cold. And they're going to need sources of energy um, between Russia and China and everything going on right now in Europe. And uh, right now, Euro's trading in lockstep with the U.S. dollar. I mean, I haven't seen this in a long, long time. And I think they're going to have a lot of problems uh, in Europe unless they can get this resolved. doesn't look like it's going to happen anytime soon, though. Mm-hmm. really does not. No, and yeah, so it, that broke out in, was it February or March, I think? Somewhere around there. Yeah, but, I think you're uh, right. Anyway, yes, it was early in the year. That's all I really remember. But they were saying, oh, it's only going to be a month or two long conflict and then there were some people in the minority saying, oh, no, that we could see this lasting the whole year and even multiple years. And not a lot of people really believe them. But here we are eight, seven, eight months later, you know, and now they're saying there's no end in sight. It's a shame. I mean, I, yeah. I don't see as many updates on it uh, on the news and in the paper, even in the Wall Street Journal. I mean, they, they make small references here and there, but not a ton of updates on what's happening there. Cause I don't think a lot has really developed. They're, they're not, I mean, as far as peace talks and whatnot, I don't, I don't think that's on the table at this point. Yeah. I haven't seen anything like that either. Uh, you know, I kind of like what you said, you see some things here and there on the news when, you know, one side sent another missile to the other side or something like that, but it's not getting as much coverage as it did uh, early on. Correct. Correct. Uh, what's the last talking point that LPL issues in their uh, research report? Uh, we were discussing the pullback being reasonable at this point. Is that, yeah. Uh, so, yeah. So that was just kind of talking about, uh, you know, the last two days losses and even Thursday and Friday of last week uh, starting to introduce the possibility of a five to 10 or even maybe even more than that percent pullback. And um, they're saying it's not really surprising at this point but it's not looking as, as promising as it did over the past couple of weeks. Yeah, I noticed in the report they talk about the, um, the comeback of the S&P, the rally from mid-June mm-hmm. to mid-August, and that's up 17% from the bottom. It's up 17% from mm-hmm. the bottom, uh, which still does not bring us uh, to a year-to-date positive return, or even flat return. You went over the numbers so far year-to-date. We're still negative. And, about 13% uh, you know, too. Yeah, about 13 So that's, I mean, that's no joke. That's, you're more than 10% already. They say the possibility of a decline of 5 to 10% is possible. Um, and I think that's probably true. You know, we're going to have some volatility throughout the rest of the year. My hope is, is that we can get back to even. Uh, I don't know if that's possible, but I think, you know, staying invested in the right places. And, and again, like I mentioned early on in the show is looking to where the puck is going, not to where it's been. Uh, we wanna move investments to places where they're going to prosper. 
right? To, to profit, to make money, and that's what we do day in and day out for our clients. Uh, it's, it's not just throwing money in the S&P 500 and saying things will be great. Yeah, that might be okay, but if, you know, we, we talked about things like energy, commodities, and year-to-date and how they've done versus the S&P 500, it's like night and day. Um, not to say that you'd have all your money invested in those areas. You don't want to do that. That's why working with us, we build and construct a portfolio. It's an ongoing process. We make tweaks and changes along the way, and I think that's what it's about is being nimble, being able to change, not sitting on your hands, not doing nothing, not saying, okay, things are going to be okay if we just stay invested. That's not true. You need to make minor tweaks. You still have your long-term plan. You still have your long-term goals. You want to get there, but you have to adapt and change to the market. If you do nothing, you're going to succumb to those losses. And right now, like you said, what are we down year to date in the neighborhood of 12, 13? Yeah, about 12, 13. So, you know, we got to keep fighting the good fight. I, I think uh, I think the LPL research makes a lot of valid points uh, that are kind of in line with our consensus. But, um, you know, they're, they're not advising or telling people what to do here. We're not doing, you know, we're doing just the same. We don't want to tell people how to invest. But when you come in, we help to construct and, and mold those portfolios. I think that's an important part of what we do day in and day out. Yeah, I think so, too. All right. With that, I think that's all the time we have for today's show. I was really, really happy. I mean, this screen behind me is a, uh, a beach. I wish I was on the beach. I'm actually at a hotel, but uh, I think that's all the time we have today. Thanks again for listening to the Pennywise Financial Podcast. This is Constantine Kitronos here at Monarch Wealth Management and my co-host, Sam Gully. Thanks again for listening, everyone. We'll see you next week. You've been listening to Pennywise Financial, brought to you by Monarch Wealth Management. Constantine and David really care about their clients. They want to make sure you're happy, so you'll continue to hire them. There's no commitments, and clients are free to leave whenever they want. Think about being able to pick up the phone and call someone for guidance and advice on almost anything, from buying a car, selling a home, buying vacation properties, or even selling a business. Reach out on the website at monarchwealthmanagement.com. There are two offices in Rochester and two offices in Buffalo. Reach out to us on Facebook, LinkedIn, Twitter, and YouTube. Or call us toll-free at 800-480-1580. That's 800-480-1580. Until next time, this is Pennywise Financial signing off. The opinions voiced in this program are for general information only and are not intended to provide specific advice or recommendations for any individual. To determine which investments may be appropriate for you, consult with your attorney, accountant, and financial advisor or tax advisor prior to investing. Securities are offered through LPL Financial, member FINRA, and SIPC.